Now, I don't think we need to interpret this as literal fire, that uh, each one of us would endure the heat and the burning of some fiery flame. But just like fire, it will be very painful. Fire is exceedingly painful. I think I'd rather get a nail through my hand than to get my hand severely burned. It would be most painful. And what Peter is speaking of here about the fiery trial, which is to try us, that it would be a very painful experience. And like fire, it would also be very damaging. It would set us back. And it becomes a great cost. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, and we're joining you again today to bring the message of the gospel. The main message today is on 1 Peter 4 on suffering as a Christian. Now, suffering is something of a mystery in this world, but it is a fallen world. It's a world of the curse and the plague of, of sin. And even Christians suffer the consequences of sin. The sentence of death is upon us. We have to endure suffering and very often the violence of men who oppose the message of the gospel. And that is Peter's meaning, suffering because you are standing up for Jesus, suffering because you are taking your stand for Christ. And that is necessary in our present age. So that's our message today when we get to the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. We have Boaz Boone to sing two pieces today, Worship the King and Take the Name of Jesus with You. That is the call of the gospel and the claim of the gospel upon every heart of the Christian. Firstly, just for a moment, let's look at Psalm 18, where the psalmist, he testifies of his desire to be true to the Lord. He says, I will love thee. O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies." This is a, a psalm of great confidence, and it is one where the psalmist is crying out for deliverance from the enemy, but his faith is not wavering. He is absolutely resting upon the Lord, and you'll notice the descriptions here. He calls the Lord his strength, his rock, his fortress, his buckler, his high tower, and all of those are pictures of safety from the enemy. It's a great thing to be under the watch care of the Lord, and we can run to the Lord in any time of need. And in this uh, theme of the suffering saint or the suffering Christian, uh, this is so important that we may take our burden and our fears to the Lord and find our rest in him. Let's bow in prayer just a moment as we do take our burdens to the Lord. Father, we thank thee for the confidence that the psalmist had in thee. We pray for that confidence for every Christian today, every believer in the Lord Jesus, that we may rest in thee and trust in thee as our rock, our refuge, our high tower. 
and we may run to thee for safety. We pray that you'll give special peace to your people, that you will give that peace that passeth understanding, just because we are standing on the rock and trusting in the Lord. Father, I pray you'll bless this uh, program today, bless the ministry of your own word, and I pray that you'll use it in every heart for the glory of your own name. We plead and pray and ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Suffering as a Christian. Does this seem strange to you? I think that anyone who counts this strange, and that's exactly what, what Peter does here uh, in the verse that we begin with here, he says, Beloved, think it not strange. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. If this does seem strange to you, then really we are but baby Christians. Only a baby Christian would think it strange that we would be called to suffer. Little do we know about the Psalms, where you have the cries and the deep laments of the men of God crying out, where the psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Little do we know of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, who for only a short time enjoyed popularity with great crowds. And it wasn't long until our Lord had to say, Will ye also go away? And those who healed and shouted him as king were soon shouting, Crucify him. Little do we remember the words of our Lord Jesus, As they hated me, so shall they hate you. If we think that suffering as a Christian is strange, then little do we understand the enmity that God has put between the children of this world and the children of God. Back in Genesis 3.15, where God said that he would put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And immediately you see that in the first family, Cain and Abel, that uh, Cain, in his wrath and in his anger, slew his own brother. And that enmity, that bitterness, is something that is experienced by every generation of God-fearing God's people, and they've had to endure the opposition, the enmity of the world. The Apostle Paul understood the nature of this enmity, uh, whenever he said, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And it would seem from that statement that no believer is going to escape 
and you're not living very long in this world as a professing Christian with your flag flying high, I'm a believer in the gospel until people will try to pull down that flag and oppose you. Now, Peter understood the nature of this enmity, and he says here in chapter 4, um, in verse 12, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Now, notice the terms, the fiery trial. Now, I don't think we need to interpret this as literal fire, that uh, each one of us would endure the heat and the burning of some fiery flame. But just like fire, it will be very painful. Fire is exceedingly painful. I think I'd rather get a nail through my hand than to get my hand severely burned. It would be most painful. And what Peter is speaking of here about the fiery trial, which is to try us, that it would be a very painful experience, and like fire, it would also be very damaging. It would set us back, and it becomes a great cost, and it's likened by the Lord to taking up a cross. It's cumbersome. It's a great burden, and it brings grief and tears to our hearts. Now, already, the Christians to whom Peter was writing this particular letter were scattered and pilgrims in the earth. They were uh, what we have named the diasporia, the pilgrims. They were strangers outside the land of Israel, and as Christians, they were to endure many sufferings for the Lord Jesus. Now, that led me to this question. Just how difficult was it to be a Christian when Peter wrote to these people this first letter. Now, we're going to have to, to answer that. We're going to have to try and date the, the time when Peter wrote this letter, and we're going to try and fit it into the historical picture of that age of the Roman world in which Peter lived and these Christians to whom he was writing. Now, a very important pivotal date is the year A.D. 64. And that was the year that Rome was burned. And you've often heard about Nero, the emperor, that he fiddled while the city of Rome burned. That's usually a tribute to his callousness and to his carelessness. But that burning of Rome was attributed to Christians. And after that began a tremendous widespread persecution. And we know that it was because of that persecution after the burning of Rome, that the apostle Paul was executed. And many suffered horrendous oppositions. Now, Peter must have written this letter prior to the year AD 64, prior to the burning of Rome, because it is believed that Peter also lost his life around that time, somewhere post the burning of Rome, somewhere around A.D. 64. Now, Peter was writing this letter then some short few years prior, maybe around A.D. 60, A.D. 62, somewhere around there perhaps, and we have to try and focus our gaze upon what was life like 
prior to that time. Now, there was not this raging persecution from the Roman Empire. That had not yet begun. In fact, uh, I don't think that the Roman Empire even began to take Christianity as a serious threat up until that time. Christians were looked upon really as a sect of Judaism and as a very small branch of, uh, of religious people. So what issues did Christians face when Peter wrote these words, think it not strange, uh, the fiery trial which is to try you? Well, one thing we could think of is that Peter might have been a prophet, and he was predicting there's going to be horrendous things coming for Christians. But I want to get the mindset of what they were actually enduring already to profess the Lord Jesus. Well, if we go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1, um, we read here that the strangers scattered, that's the diasporia, we, we get a, a look at where they lived. And they are scattered where? Throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. All of these countries are in Asia Minor. Now, in chapter 5, the letter was written from Babylon, which is away over in Persia. And Peter must have been there, and he was ministering to the dispersed Jews of that part of the world. But his focus is people living in Asia Minor. Now, we've got quite a lot of information in the New Testament about the people, the churches, the travels of Paul uh, in these areas where churches were planted. And uh, we know that there was a church in Galatia, uh, Bithynia, which is up in the northern hilly part. Uh, there certainly were churches. And this is the location of where these people were living. Now, do you remember Paul meeting a couple in the city of Corinth called Priscilla and Aquila? They were a part of a dispersed group from the city of Rome because Claudius, who was the emperor before Nero, he ordered all the Jews out of Rome. Now, at that time, they didn't really distinguish much between Jews and Christians. Christians were just looked upon as a small sect. So there were believers, Christians, in Rome that were sent out, along with the colony of Jews. And Paul met Priscilla and Aquila in the city of Corinth and encouraged one another. And so we see that they were uprooted. We can see that they were exiled out of the place of their preferred residence. And most of the hostility that these people faced was not really a, a persecution like being carried off to the amphitheater or fed to the lions or living in the catacombs under the city of Rome. All of that came much later. The greatest opposition that these first-generation Christians faced was from Judaism. There was a hostile uh, opposition against people converting from Judaism to Christianity. And many of the beatings of Paul the Apostle were from the Jewish factions. In fact, the allegations that were against him 
were by Jews that led him to appeal to Caesar and led him eventually to his prison cell in Rome. So, so much of the opposition, the hardships that these early Christians endured was from Judaizers, the religious so-called elite, and they made life extremely difficult to the point where they were uprooted, cast out. And if you think of Paul and his conversion, um, now that would have been a, a little earlier, of course, when Paul was converted, but you think of the uh, mission that he was on away up north to Damascus, he had letters from the scribes, from the religious Judaizers, to haul living Christians, incarcerate them, cast them into prison cells, demanded their blood, and sometimes their lives. And that's the kind of treatment that these Christians were receiving. They were being hunted. There was also a very subtle attack to try and lure them back to Judaism. There was what they called, we call the Galatian heresy, is this, you can be a Christian, but don't give up your Jewish rites and ceremonies. You still need to be circumcised. You still need the Levitical forms of worship. And that was a very subtle attack to lure Christians back to their roots. And when you read the book of Hebrews, that's what that book is all about. It is about the subtle attack upon the hearts and minds of new Christians, baby Christians, many of them, certainly first-generation Christians, to try and lure them back. Now, let's go to Hebrews 10. We'll take a little window into this. Hebrews chapter 10. And of course, you know Hebrews 11 very well, uh, that the author of the book of Hebrews gives an example of all these worthies who through faith endured. Well, Hebrews 10, verse 32, you will see just a little, a little bit of the hardship that these Christians were facing. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated. Now, you would have to understand that that means after you were converted, after that you were born again, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. These Jewish converts who were saying to mom and dad, I'm going to be baptized as a Christian. Will you come? You can imagine the outpouring of incensed religious wrath that was poured out in many homes where one member of the family claimed that they were now a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you read on a little bit in verse 33, you'll see a little more. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. So if you're walking down the street and you happen to cross the road to join up with a Christian who maybe a little earlier had come out and professed faith in the Lord Jesus and you were seen talking with that Christian, you became a companion of that person. 
Then you were talked about. You were made a gazing stock. You were reproached simply because you associated with other Christians. And my, if the word got out that you went to one of their meetings, that you went to hear the preaching of Christians, you can imagine the opposition. Now, this gets worse as you read on in verse 34. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Now, what could that refer to, the spoiling of your goods? Whatever property, whatever possessions they had, uh, the wrath of their family, friends, and community rose up and just trashed things, deliberately, violently, trashing their goods. It says, spoiling your goods. So why did they endure this? Well, he goes on to speak there in verse 34, that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, a sweet, above earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, a sweet. Thank you for joining with us on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and it is a great privilege to bring God's Word day by day to you. And I hope this message on 1 Peter 4.16, Suffering as a Christian, that it will encourage your heart. I have a few thoughts I just want to share with you uh, on this passage. Let's let me read the passage again. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer at a, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Now this poses the question, of course, is why in this world are so many people intolerant of Christians? And you will see that uh, the world seems to mesh with the religions of the world. The uh, 
a new age movement. The various major religions of the world seem to fit into the world very, very readily. Well, of course, Christianity in its purest form is a religion of separating from the world and from its sin and ungodliness. The world is lost. The world is on the broad road to destruction. The world is at enmity with God. And when we are converted, well, we're like a fish that is going against the current. We are not swimming with the current of the world anymore. We're cutting against it. We are called to live separate from the ungodly, wicked, vile ways of this sinful world. And of course, because we seek to uphold purity, honesty, righteousness, then the Christian will be opposed. That's a given. And if you expect that you can live for Christ, fly the flag of your identity as a born-again believer, seeking to live a godly life, if you think you can do that without meeting the opposition of the world, well, you can't. And New Testament Christians found that, and this is why Peter was writing to them. Also, what should a Christian do who is opposed and threatened? Well, the advice that we discovered here in 1 Peter 4 is, firstly, do not think it strange, and do not think that you're all alone. Did you know that around the world today there are countless Christians suffering for the gospel? Some are in prison. Some have lost their homes. Some are exiled into foreign countries. Some are facing starvation. I think of uh, professing Christians in North Korea. What a terrible, terrible regime to be under. And facing hard labor and even execution to be uh, opposed to the, the God, ungodliness in that country. And we need to pray for these people. And we need to realize that when you suffer as a Christian that it's not a strange thing. This is not something that uh, you should feel personally guilty about. And that's why Paul says you should not suffer as a murderer or as someone who has done wrong, as a thief or an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters, but rather you should suffer with a sense of, I've done the right thing. I've stood up for the Lord Jesus. I've honored his name. I'm, I'm standing for truth. And I'm doing the thing that is right and pleasing to my heavenly Father. And of course, the Lord Jesus, when he came into the world, he came not to please himself and not to please men, but to please his heavenly Father. And what did they do to the Lord Jesus? Well, at first there was a following until they grasped the implications of the gospel. And then many men forsook him. And we know that they arrested and they crucified the Son of God. They plotted and schemed for his murder. And we ought not to be dis uh, surprised when we are called to pay a price to be a Christian. And that's the reality. There is a cost. Jesus said that we are to take up our cross and to follow him. So I hope that these words enlighten and encourage. May the Lord be your strength and help and be with you. Thank you for being a part of our program today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music